0: Welcome to the Third Man Podcast. I'm your co-host, James Kaminsky. And I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. Together we form one sort of passable Jack White fan. <laughs> And welcome to our Jack White podcast, the Third Men podcast, where James and I stumble through Jack White history and try desperately to learn it in time to spit it back at you. Stumble is correct. We're trying (laughs) and we're going to sling this pod right at you guys and (laughs) hope it passes muster. Uh, We're slinging some mean jackpot over here. So for those of you who don't know, we go through Jack White music and history and albums and movies and TV and all that good stuff. And we pick a new topic every week and we try and give you guys a wide variety of topics to listen to that's right just in case you guys were worried if we get anything wrong we are 100% open to emails and corrections feel free to email us at thirdmanpodcast at gmail.com for a segment we like to call
1: stop breaking down stop breaking down Breaking down. Stop breaking down. Please stop breaking down.
0: Uh, if you didn't understand that, that was stop breaking down. Thank you to everyone who slung our pod back at us. We have a few stop breaking downs this week. This first one is in the television episode, episode six. I mistakenly said that Jack White appeared on the 40th anniversary Saturday Night Live episode that aired in, I said, 2005. I meant to say 2015. Oh, that's about. Ten years too early. Yeah, ten years gone, holding on. But I was uh, damn wrong, so I keep singing his song. Our next Stop Breaking Downs come from Callie Durga. Callie, thank you for all the support and for pointing out how wrong we are. We're very um, sorry, <laughs> Kelly, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. We feel like we let you down. This was from the The Tours episode, the Broken Boy Soldiers Tour episode, episode 7, we said that Jack was singing into a megaphone at one point during that episode, and Callie points out that it is actually a copper phone mic, which is interesting. Huh. And there's this handy-dandy Wikipedia article here. It is a handcrafted specialty microphone designed and built by the Polyphonic Spree bassist Mark Pirro. Wow. I saw the Polyphonic Spree maybe 10 years ago back when- Did you? Yeah. So almost when you got that Saturday Night Live thing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Well, thanks, James. Uh, But Anyway, it uses components from vintage communications equipment as well as mechanical filtering device to achieve a limited bandwidth frequency response similar to that of an AM radio. So it gives you a nostalgic sort of sound and – uh, yeah this article even mentions Jack White in it so um uh, I was you know I was wrong and you know interestingly it also mentions Queens of the Stone Age who we uh, who we all know uh, features one of our favorite Incognito raconteurs Mr Dean Fortita so we got that one there. And then uh, and then Callie also points out from episode seven, we mentioned we'd love to hear Blue Veins again. Evidently, he played that with the buzzards on, on the Blunderbuss tour in Hamburg, as well as Sydney, Australia. Huh. And she sent a really cool link along to that. So you can actually find that link on the Thinking Persons Jack White group on Facebook. So it's, that's really cool. Thank you, Callie, for the corrections. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Callie. The whole point of this thing is for us to learn this stuff. So thank you. We'll endeavor to do our best to uh, stop breaking down. Those get Those get a little more off the rails every time. <laughs>
1: stop outside, gonna bust your brains out. Yeah, to make you lose your mind.
0: So, James, I hear tell that you have something pretty cool in store for us tonight. Today's topic, we're going back to our roots of album analysis.
1: Uh, all those
0: years ago. ago. Uh, we're going to be discussing... Whorehound, the Dead Weather's debut album from 2009. Oh, sweet. We're going to spit some Whorehound at you. So we get into it? Let's get into it. So, Paul, let me paint you a picture. Paint me a mind picture, James. Broad strokes, happy trees. What a half-hearted joke that was. (laughs) James's brain went, all right, I should say something about Bob Ross. (laughs) Paint was mentioned, so <laughs> I should definitely make some movements with my with my mouth hole that mention that man. Sorry, I should continue. The jokes can't all be winners. <laughs>
1: they can't all be Carl Butterballs. <laughs> I'll have you know that my jokes are the best
0: jokes in all
1: of Tennessee?
0: <laughs> but Carl, tell us more about. <laughs> so picture yourself at Carl Butterball's land. Tennessee, Nashville, 2009. We have just gotten through the Consolers of the Lonely tour. Oh, lovely. So we're riding high on the racking Tours. When out of left field, Jack White announces he's coming out with a new album with a new group. I don't know about you, James, but when that happened, honestly, I was expecting another Stripes record. I think as were most people at that time. So when he was like, yeah... I got this other thing i'm doing my response was <laughs> uh i i actually morphed into tim allen for a brief moment uh? because that it was a weird choice to make i mean in retrospect it makes sense but what a weird choice let's go back a little bit back past through may 2009 all the way back to 2008 <laughs> Ah, a young Barack Obama was swearing the oath of office. A Joe Piscopo was (laughs) gracing the stage. Of the Jiffy (laughs) Lube. So we're back to the Rackin' Tours in 2008. They're touring with the Consolers of the Lonely album, and they're touring with The Kills, actually. The Kills are opening for the band. What? When all of a sudden, Jack White slips a disc in his neck, and he also gets bronchitis. So, instead of backing down from this, which most sane people would do, (laughs) Jack White decides to press on. The bronchitis had made it so difficult for Jack to sing that he decided to tap the kills of Alison Mosshart to sing some songs during the shows. Okay, Uh, alright. Jack White is quoted as saying, I'd lost my voice and slipped a disc in my neck. I was just ready to go. We only had five shows left. You're supposed to stop, but we were like, let's just make it through. (laughs) We were playing the Ryman Auditorium. I've never played a set with a band of mine there. I had to make it there. The Ryman, by the way, one of the stages of the Grand Old Opry. Yes, 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 yes. Because that's what he played with Wanda Jackson, we learned in the Going Solo episode. Anyway, continue. So we had asked her to sound check and try out, her being Allison, for Steady As She Goes, because I couldn't sing anymore. Allison is quoted, To be fair, it was high even for me, and because I kept doing that song every night, I lost my voice by the last show. I had to get a shot in my hip just to be able to speak. To which Jack White says, Perfect time to record vocals. (laughs) During these last five shows... Allison Mossart is coming in to sing Steady As She Goes with Jack, as well as a few other songs, including Salute Your Solution. At these few shows, guess who was on stage as well, Paul? Is it the stand-in, unnamed, raconteur, Mr. Dean Fertitta? It sure is. <laughs> Dean Fratita was present during some of this tour. They got through these last five shows. Allison is, is singing back up. So, what we just heard was Allison performing Studies She Goes with them playing the Tabernacle at Atlanta, Georgia on the night of October 1st, 2008. Now, this is important because this is their last show right before the dead weather is basically formed. She gets off her set. Jack White approaches her and says, Do you want to come with me to Nashville? <laughs> that's, that's what he says to all the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> they went right from Atlanta. To Nashville. So Alice had said, then on our last day of the tour in Atlanta, we were having a celebration drinks. Jack had just finished building a recording studio behind his house in Nashville. So he was like, Do you have any days off now? Why don't you come out and check it out? Wait, but he still has like bronchitis, right? Right. And she she had to get a shot in her hip to speak. Yes. (laughs) Okay, cool. So let me set the stage for you, Paul. Nashville is unknown. We pretty much didn't know anything about Jack being in Nashville aside from his residence. And it's basically brand new. Jack and Allison take a bus from Atlanta to Nashville within 24 hours of that show to record a single. Allison Mossart had said, I just had so much fun on that tour. I just got on the bus with them and they came back to Nashville because he said he had a recording studio. Like, why don't we do something? That's kind of how it happened, really. Huh. So it was very spur of the moment. Jack had a, had an idea to record a Gary Newman song called Our Friends Electric. Oh, that's what that is. Yes. We can hear a little bit of the original here.
1: You know, I hate to
0: This is what we heard like right before the dead weather kind of came out. This sort of crept into like LimeWire and some of those music sharing sites. And Mm -hmm. so we got our hands on this and we're like, is this Jack? White? I want, <laughs> maybe I don't. The Tours had the the Australian Tours that confused exactly. us. Exactly. Exactly. I was thinking did it happen again? <laughs> is there another thing? Well, Jack White doesn't appear much on it because like you said, Paul, he still has bronchitis. <laughs> so he sits in on the drums. Alison Mosshart is vocals Basically, it was a song that everybody liked and knew the song, and they didn't think they'd ever cover it, so they decided to try covering it. It's a good tune, and it's nice and upbeat and fast-paced and sounds pretty good. Yeah, the original single was supposed to be just a one-off thing. It was also only supposed to be Allison, Jack Lawrence, and Jack White. It was only those three. The reason Dean Fertita even was on the song was, was because he was staying in Jack's house
1: that <laughs> night.
0: Uh, he was spending the night in one of the rooms there. Wow. He was playing along with them during it, so they decided to, to bring Dean in there. So they play Our Friends Electric. They lay it onto tape. And then afterwards, they played five or six or maybe seven or ten hours straight <laughs> and recorded five more songs that night. Wow! None of it was really planned. It kind of sounds like that. When yeah. You listen to the Dead Weather? It does. It might be it might be what turns some people off to them at first originally, but it's the energy there. I mean, it makes sense. Everything you're saying is reflected in how those songs sound, you know? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of energy. Yeah. Allison the next day got up and went to New York because she had to do some kills gigs with no sleep wow that speaks to how powerful this this weird accident was you know all four of them are playing and they don't want to stop and they just play through the night yeah uh, and you, you had swank next to the stage with the shot to shove in Allison's hip so she could sing <laughs> <laughs> shake your hips like battleships hey swank make sure you <laughs> make sure you give her her injections she needs her injections every six hours swank, swank. So this makes a lot of sense. So in the origin of this group, Jack White physically can't sing. Yes. Therefore, doesn't sing. Correct. So really, this group is just born purely of circumstance. The entire band is built on accident. Jack had said, We've been touring and playing music for so long, and a lot of times you don't get that feeling when something is first starting again. But we were lucky enough to get that feeling again with this band. Jack also said, Funny thing is the same thing happened with the Tours. the way they just came together naturally. It's almost like they can't even tell people what happened because they think that you're lying. Um, <laughs> so, these very busy folks are sitting down and recording half an album as they're all a part of like three or four bands. So, they're, they're on so many projects at this point. Jack White was in the White Stripes still. Jack White was in the Tours. Yes. Little Jack Lawrence was in the Greenhorns. He was in Blanche. He was in the Tours. Alison Mosshart was in the Kills, Dean Fertita was in Queens of the Stone Age and the Wax Wings and the Raconteurs and the Raconteurs sporadically. So they're they're all kind of super busy folks already, but they they really made time for this lightning strike of a moment. Huh. What's interesting is on this album Jack is on drums, which he hasn't really done in a long long time. He he was a drummer to start with. He really hasn't played as a professional drummer since his earliest moments in a in a band called the F- Cups, <laughs> which was a band he was in with his childhood friend David Suckett. Did he also play drums with Goober and the Peas? Yeah, he played drums with Goober and the Peas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do a we'll do a a whole Goober and the Peas show. Just just you wait.
1: Peas, 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 eating Goober peas. Gotta eat your peas. Eat your pea, Professor. Goodness, how delicious eating Goober peas.
0: You know, speaking of circumstance and accident, a lot of the setup was dictated by A, Jack White having bronchitis and having the slip disc, so he was sitting down and not singing. And B, a lot of it came from the James Bond soundtrack with Alicia Keys. Hmm. Oh, because he played drums on that too. He said, I produced from the drummer seat and I really loved it so much because I haven't done it since I was a teenager, 15 years ago. I wanted to go back to my first love, which was the drums. I did it on James Bond with Alicia and I wanted to do it with the band. I wanted to produce from the drummer seat and see what happens. There's also that great quote from him from the Dodge and Burn promo junket where he talks about how he built his kit for the James Bond thing with Alicia Keys because they were going to go on tour
1: so this kit um, I had built this kit for the James Bond project I worked on with Alicia Keys and they they, we were going to play some live shows but we never ended up doing it so um, I'd always wanted to build my own drum kit so I designed the whole thing with Ludwig they were nice enough to build it for me
0: what a weird tour that would have been. Uh one one of these days we're gonna do like a what if show and uh we're gonna do a what if Jack and Alicia Keys hit the road. Imagine the audience for that show though. Like who would go I can't. It's I can't imagine the person who has that Crossover appeal. I just, I don't. Well, the thing is, you'd get all the Jack fans and you get all the Alicia Key fans and all the Key heads and the Jack heads would be kind a button heads. Hey, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. Peanut butter
1: my chocolate. What?
0: what? He also said I started playing drums on that track, the Alicia Keys one. LJ and I went into the studio and did it with drums and bass at first, and then I built on top of that over and over again until Alicia came and we finished the song together. So when we started doing this band, I thought, well. I'll do that again because I liked producing from that because we were just going to do one of these seven inches. We ended up writing and then it became an album, etc. So yeah, it's directly correlated from that record. Hmm. So that was October 2nd, 2008.
1: And that's why I'm the one playing the drums.
0: So let's, let's uh, fast forward a little bit from October of 2008 to February of 2009. Ah, a young Barack Obama had just sworn in the oath of office. And a young Jung Piscopo had gone back to that Jiffy Lube because his oil needed changing again after 3,000 miles. He got a pleasant reminder from the folks at Jiffy Lube. So, in February of 2009, Jack rings up Allison to ask if she wants to finish the album. She was in London at the time, at her home. She lived in London. She describes her conversation with Jack White by saying, uh, I was standing at a Starbucks in Sheffield, England, right outside a Mighty Boosh performance. And Jack calls me and I said, Who the f- is this (laughs) you sound like a woman i immediately get into a fight with him on the phone in fact i cut like a buffalo opens with jack white declaring i look like a woman (laughs) he said why don't you come to nashville tomorrow i was like okay i got nothing to do jamie jamie hints her her kills partner jamie's on holiday so it wow I think Cut Like a Buffalo is just like that. I think that's what it's about. We'll get into Cut Like a Buffalo in a a little bit. The band got together and started recording the full album. They booked 21 days in the recording studio at Third Man Records and wrote and recorded it. Do we know what tracks were the first ones that were laid down in that 2008 sesh? I don't, and I really want to know. I couldn't find it anywhere. So if any of you guys out there know that, please let us know. I'm I'm super interested to, to see... What songs they recorded? Then we'll go through the songs. But I bet you we could. Uh, we'll I guess we'll guess. Okay. We'll see if we can. We'll see if we can guess. I bet you we could figure it out. Oh, well, I have a couple guesses as to what came out of it. But so they record in the new Third Man recording studio that was freshly built. Just like Jack's tastes, they recorded at you know his on his equipment. Yeah. And they're trying to capture those those kind of gritty mistakes. Yeah. They recorded at a super low speed on a tape machine. Jack said it's the lowest speed you can record at for this format. And he says Hmm. it's super hard to edit. And they like that constraint. You know, if it was a higher speed, it it would be a lot easier to edit. And so you'd be able to, you know, parse out more mistakes. But they're trying to keep some of those mistakes in the song, getting kind of a dirtier, grittier, grungier feel. Allison says, "I think people can relate to it better because it's more human. It kind of works better with your brain to hear those things. You take it in better and it's it's nothing new for Jack's approach. It's funny though that the rock and tours was such a polished rock and roll group, and Brandon was so pop heavy mm-hmm. that I feel like Jack wanting to do the grungy, gnarly thing with this." with the dead weather, was maybe in, not, I don't know about response to the raconteurs, but by contrast to so the raconteurs to keep it interesting for himself. No, you're 100% right. When Jack and, and Brendan were recording for the Tours, they would sit down and they would write. You know, he would actually get out pen and paper and he would write down stuff and he would, you know, fiddle along. And with this, it was more of a jam. It was more, does this feel right, rather than, you know, does this sound correct? Right, It's capturing the moment. So he's not really looking to fix it up and and, and like, polish it. In fact, he says it wouldn't happen if you recorded it on Pro Tools. You'd just look at a screen, take your mouse and wipe it off. That's why music sucks today. <laughs> because everyone's fixing all those mistakes. Oh, Jack. <laughs> they really wanted to record something new and different. They wanted to, to actually keep the dead weather as this... Sp- the moment accidental band they're trying to keep the dead weather up at the same time as keeping up all of their other bands it's kind of uh, stressful for all of them but at the same time they're really trying to make it work Yeah, all that, st- all that stress and spontaneity also comes out in the music I mean we said that a couple times but their sound is so distinct because of that and it might be the reason honestly why Sea of Cowards And Dodge and burns sounds so drastically different from this first record. This first record feels more born of that spontaneity and struggle, whereas the other two feel a little more polished. Mm -hmm. Jack's a little more at the fore. The songs feel a little bit more, I don't know about calculated, but rehearsed, should we say, or planned for, you know, which I think I prefer, but I also appreciate that first album for what it was trying to do. Yeah, I agree. On Keeping Up Their Other Bands at the same time, Jack said, uh, all of the other bands are still happening. Everything is still occurring. This is a new one to add to the mix. Allison had said, I decided over the new year to go for it this year. So far, it seems to be working out. She says, everything is going on at the exact same time. We all collectively decided that 2009 is the year of the daredevil. No days off. We're just going to work every single day, no matter what we're doing. Everything's coming up, Mossheart.
1: Everything's coming up, Millhouse.
0: And one recurring theme that I keep seeing every single interview is Jack doesn't sleep. He is doing this nonstop. It's great for us for the content. We were eating it up. Yeah, but he's going a mile a minute. He went right from one band tour to writing a whole new album with no breaks in between. I can't stress that enough. That's super crazy to me. Yes. The White Stripes are still a band at this point, and I forget that sometimes they still have one live album to put out yet. Allison almost takes the place of Meg in this band, in that she's an interesting foil to Jack. She's like the opposite of Meg in that she's she's loud, unafraid, a little bit raunchy, a little bit dirty, and has a, a huge magnetic stage presence. Yes, yeah, she's very Robert Plant up there. I had the opportunity to see The Kills earlier this year, and and she was. Incredible, absolutely incredible. And I would say, too, that all of his different collaborators Meg, Brendan, Brendan. and Allison all offer something different. You know, mm-hmm. Meg offers the innocence and stays out of Jack's path. Yeah, kind of. But is there beating the drum along with him. Brendan, Brendan. offers the side by side, like, let's hold hands and do this together buddy we're gonna make it through pal like <laughs> he's the sensitive one and then allison is the out of my way i'm going first hey i kind of like you smooch and then like <laughs> drags him by the hand up the pe- so there There are very different approaches i guess you could say you know allison and meg have each a childlike quality in and of themselves but represent the yin, yin and the yang and they're both center stage of the band meg is is what the white stripes is built around and allison This whole thing came from her singing with the Tours, so her vocals are kind of what the band is built around. And Jack's vocals are largely absent from that first record. Right. There's only a handful of times that he actually opens up and sings, probably due to the bronchitis, but... (laughs) (laughs) Three weeks of crazy recording, they finish laying down the entire album. In March of 2009, to take us back to where I started, they announce a new album... With a new single at the Third Man Records Nashville location. So, announcing the dead weather to the world. Wow. This whole new band, including Jack White, Allison Mosshart, Dean Fertita, and Jack Lawrence. You got you to gotta imagine Jack had that in the back of his mind opening up that shop didn't happen overnight. So he's looking at a calendar. As much as he says, as much as he doesn't like to admit he plans things, when you look at that timing, I mean, there's a reason he called Allison in London. Mm -hmm. He he had this batch of recordings laying around. He's like, how do I launch this shop? Ooh. (laughs) The weather is turning. (laughs) It's dead out there. Which supervillain Jack is
1: this? That, that, the weather Well,
0: well, well, Mr. Black Keys Oh, he's Bane now <laughs> Yeah, he went from like a James Bond villain to Bane Pretty quick <laughs> I see, Yeah, I see you're stumbling your way through this recording studio I was, I born, was in, born in it I'm sorry Molded by it <laughs> Molded by this vinyl pressing plant and then Talia Al Ghul <laughs> stabbed Dean Fertita in the back, <laughs> and the Dark Knight trilogy ended. But how did Jack White get all the way from that desert prison back to Nashville to record you the album? You don't need to know about that, Master James. That is not for you to know. This is my Michael Kangrosh. This guy really likes CDs instead of vinyl, and and Alfred comes up to him, some people just like to watch the world burn. CDs. (laughs) CDs! Where
1: were we?
0: (laughs) So we're, we're at the live debut at Third Man Records. He hosts a live party with 150 exclusive guests to promote the new single called Hang You From The Heavens and Our Friends Electric. So, this grand opening of Third Man Records with 150 fans, friends, and members of the media, they were given a tour of the entire new label office, they were present for the debut of the new band, guests were invited to listen as the Dead Weather sits on a couch. Oh, I remember this! I remember this! All four of them sit on a couch, Jack, Dean, Jack, and Allison, and they play the entire album on a turntable, and they all just watch. <laughs> <laughs> Is this where they did the interview? Well, I'll get to that in a, in a second, actually. This concept involved 150 people in the meat space just watching, <laughs> watching the band listen to an album. I mean, that's a hell of a listening party when you've actually got them sitting there. Yeah. The entire group was there. And then afterwards, they got up and played five of the songs live for everybody. They played 60 Feet Tall. They played Hanging from the Heavens. They played So Far from Your Weapon, Treat Me Like Your Mother, and they played New Pony. So after the show, Jack White and the band gave out hand-painted seven-inch singles of Hanging from the Heavens. Jack White had said about those particular sleeves, they took about a million photo booth photos and hand-colored all of the sleeves. It was like art camp. But during the process, the music became very important to us as a group of friends and a group of musicians. Anything from the dead weather is a product of this collaboration. They really, like, made exclusive handmade stuff. And that photo booth, you'll remember from the American Pickers segment we did in episode 6 Trash Tongue Television. That photo booth is the photo booth that they took all these pictures for these hand-painted 7 inches. In fact, in American Pickers, Jack White describes this scene looking for rusty gold looking for rusty gold looking for rusty gold it's kind of funny the whole time jack white was puffing on a cigar now he was he was trying to track down pictures of spider-man <laughs> i want pictures of spider man oh man carl, carl butterball, butterball <laughs> is not the <laughs> editor-in-chief of the daily bugle i want pictures of turkeys endless
1: turkeys they're a menace that's why I take them and I cook them. Great Caesar's blessing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. That was good. Uh, nice, nice to see you, Carl. So the guests at the show, it was a, a star-studded audience. Cheryl Crow was there. Martina McBride. And there's one person who was there that blows my mind. It's crazy. Mm, well, uh, if I had to guess, let's see all right it ain't it ain't no disco it ain't no country club either. This is l a all he wants to do is have a little fun before he dies. says the man next to. I will just continue to speak the words of that Jack White's partner in crime, Meg white no was in attendance no yeah i Meg? can't i can't believe it because i never i didn't give jack jack is that your new album give jack <laughs> it's mine jack is now dead? Meg. now Meg, don't be greedy or not <laughs> don't be rude <laughs> i can't believe she was there yeah no it's crazy because i keep forgetting like i said before that the white stripes are still a thing the dead weather seems so late in the career i forget yeah. Also, 30 lucky fans who were there as well, who won tickets through a message board to what Jack White calls the Bear Cave. The bear Cave? <laughs> I don't know. It's a literal cave filled with bears. <laughs> filled with bears. Ah!
1: <laughs> the album sounds great, though. <laughs> we're such lucky fans. <laughs> we're lucky fans.
0: Remember the term Bear Cave because there's a tangent. That'll come up in a minute. Okay. Um, Noted. After the show, Jack White said it was a scary situation because it was on stage that had just been built and nobody had ever played there before. <laughs> Allison said it was awesome. It didn't matter. It's a total blur of perfectness in my head. It was so much fun. I mean, I was really drunk. Jack Lawrence <laughs> said, I was going to say, drinking helps. <laughs> Jack White, it was bizarre. All of us had listened to the album with the press together. We didn't plan it like that. It just happened. <laughs> <laughs> Jack White again. Everyone, I think, felt really strongly about it. People were visibly reacting, you know, because we were staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> These guys Aww. are jokesters. They're like, they are They're the fierce. Be- They're fierce. They're, They're fierce. fierce. The cover art for the album features Alison Mossart. Photography was by David Swanson. You'll remember him from tour photography for The White Stripes, as well as tour photography for The Dead Weather. He also did the cover for Dodge and Burn. Oh that's cool. Yeah, and it's it's weird of all Jack's albums, I want to say this is the only one he's not on. I'm thinking about it. He's on he's on all the, the Stripes, Stripes covers. covers, yeah. He's, he's on, on the... both the Rax covers. He's on Sea of Cowards and Dodge and Burn. Yeah. I think this is the only time Jack White released an album where he wasn't on the cover. That's interesting. I didn't heard, I didn't think about that. Which just goes to show you how much he was pushing Alice into the fore here. Yeah. In an interview with Clash, he asked them if they had seen the the album yet, and they said no. And he he calls over to to Ben Swank actually, so to call to our thing. He goes, "Hey Swank, <laughs> have you got that whore hell
1: final cover?"
0: Swank sounds like the Charlie Brown teachers in this.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. Wonder boss. laughs>
0: Yeah, so that's, that's the cover. The artwork on the inside was done by Rob Jones and Animal Rummy. Nice. Who you'll remember from pretty much everything Jack does. Yeah, we've we talked about Rob a lot on this show. The album title, Whorehound, is from a flowering plant in the mint family. That's cool. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the, and the word was chosen because it was a word that Jack had heard at one point. Allison says she thinks he heard it as white whorehound. He's always attuned to things that have white in them, so he became sort of obsessed with the word. And when it came time to name the album, he threw it out there, and everybody liked it and went scrambling to look it up. I thought it sounded like a fast car. <laughs> Which is the first little instance in this show where Allison talks about cars. You'll, you'll kind of see cars are a pattern with her. She really likes cars. She's like a big... gear Gearhead. Gearhead. Yeah, that's the word. The name, The Dead Weather came from a patchwork of references to other musical groups. Jack White can't exactly place where it came from, but he was trying to convey a mood. He said, you know, it's it's strange starting a new band. The pressure's on. You just kind of ha- accidentally start this band with your friends and you're rehearsing all the time, and a name comes out, and you have that name. Nobody thinks about it. There were apparently lots of other contenders for the band name. Oh, I can't wait. I c- wish, I wish, I wish, oh, I no. wish, I wish. That they remembered them, but Allison had said it's a good thing that she doesn't remember them. As soon as you pick a name and it's your name, you forget all the dumb things you thought of. Thankfully, and I'm, oh, so, no. upset.
1: Oh. I'm so upset. Oh, so upset.
0: Ah, I know I got your hopes and I dashed them. I know. I'm yeah, sorry. I've been, dashed. I've been dashed. I've been dashed, dodged, and burned. <laughs> Ugh. So, I'm going to quickly go through what you had mentioned earlier, Paul, that video of them sitting on the floor. That video was basically the public's first introduction to The Dead Weather. It was called The Dead Weather, Their Oral History and Future Plans, An Explanation and Apology for the Band Themselves. (laughs) It's great. It's so good. Look it up. It's seriously one of the funniest things Jack White is in. It is... A self-conducted interview with the band. It's so much like fun, sarcastic banter. Little Jack Lawrence, who is sitting, playing an organ the entire time off screen. (laughs) He starts playing this melodic tune.
1: Which one's LJ? He's
0: playing an organ right now. They go over the history of the band. I'll go through some of the questions, which are so good. It's so good. Describe your level of sobriety when you started the band. (laughs) Jack White says, Perfect. (laughs) <laughs> Allison gives a thumbs up and then a thumbs down and then points up and then down and then Dean waggles his hand back and forth and then Allison mutters, oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, LJ, what bands have you been in? To which LJ abruptly stops playing the organ, blankly looks up and goes, what bands have I not been in? <laughs> I love, I love Little Jack. He's so good. He asks them to describe their sound. Remember what I said about the bear? Tangentially related. (laughs) Jack White says,
1: Perfect. Ferocious. Describe. (laughs) Do you know when a bear comes out from behind a tree and does two swift collection pulls towards itself? Yes. (laughs) You don't know what I'm talking
0: about. (laughs) Oh... Oh, the collection pull. Oh. That was how he describes the band's sound, Paul. I remember I remember watching that video and hearing him say that. I just, I, oh, uh, I do. Uh, those guys are funny. They're funny. Um, he asks them all, who are your influences? Little Jack stops playing the organ again and goes, who aren't my influences? <laughs> he asks them all what they do in their downtime. They say things like the Salvation Army. I think Jack mentions TGI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> then it gets to LJ And he gazes into space after stopping the organ again And goes Pizza rolls Stuffed with ranch dressing That's it That's <laughs> all he says <does. laughs> Oh man um, I, I, You are making me want to watch this video again Can we play a little clip
1: of this We're summer and if so where We are Why do you want to know so bad just following us, we're touring. We're touring everywhere. We're touring everywhere. What town? What town are you from? Los Angeles. I'm coming there. Bringing these guys with me. What are your favorite cities? Where are you from? Los Angeles. Yeah, that's my favorite city. That's it.
0: That's it. <laughs> Bunch of uh, goosters. Yeah. Uh, he and then finally one of the, one question that I really enjoyed. He asked Billy Joel or Elton John. And the only answer Jack White gives is. Why did Billy Joel jump off that bridge anyway? Which is such an obscure reference to the Ode to Billy Joe by Bobby Gentry that I have ever heard.
1: And then she said, I got some news this morning from Choctaw Ridge. Today, Billy
0: Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. So he's making a pun. Yeah. So Billy Joel or Elton John, and he just starts talking about Billy Joe instead of Billy Joel. It's so weird. Wow, Jack White is is truly the man from Tallahassee. The man from Tallahassee. What is that? Some kind of code? That that's a little that's uh, a little lost lost reference for you. Oh man. <laughs> well, in the context of the song, Paul, he'd be the man from Tallahassee. Yo, swag. <laughs> <laughs> mean that blonde Where's, where's our novelty clown horn? <laughs> Allison, Allison, where's our, noble, our novelty clown horn? Let's get into the track by track, for God's sake. Uh, so we we kick this one off. It's a it's a quiet opener, particularly considering the the ferocious nature of this group. Right. Uh, Sixty feet tall. Super quiet opener, right? Written by Allison Mossart and Dean Fertita. It's got these uh, bluesy, foreboding, and quiet build up. It's a an interesting build up to the introduction of the band in in this album. It's got the uh, a line hooked up to my motor, which is more car references from Allison. Yeah, um, it almost sounds like a Zeppelin song to me. Uh, totally, it's a song that had to grow on me a little bit, but it really it's one of those where I saw them do it live, I got it when Allison sort of slinks around the stage and you hear that little hum and then it goes into it and then it builds and then it builds and then it builds. Mm-hmm. It really does work, you know? It's, it's got this really cool skittering on the drums too, like Jack White really oh, kind yeah. of like, he, he gives you a little tease of what he's going to do and then it, it really gets into it and you're starting to, to get a feel for what the band is like. I really like this song. Yeah, yeah,
1: totally. You got my Oh, you got it can take feet
0: right from there, we go to the first single of, of the album, Hang You From the Heavens. Oh, great. Uh, Another great tune. Right. Another Allison Dean song. Dean basically had some riffs to the song and Allison had some lyrics in her head and in our lyric book that she keeps and they fit really well together. Uh, so, the song was kind of just an accident to begin with. It's apparently about something, but but Allison really won't say, at least in the interview that I was looking at. The interviewer had asked, like, is it about anything? And she goes, yeah, yeah. And they're like, do you want to say? <laughs> She's like, no. Allison had said, on Hanging From The Heavens, Dean had the riff and I had the first line by the time I finished the rest of the verses the guys had put together almost the entire song. Yeah, you can always tell these riff songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have, a, they have a certain rhythm, a certain cadence to them. You know, like uh, Bowie's Fame. That's a mm-hmm. riff song where they just build around a riff, but, you know, this whole band kind of build around a, a riff or even drum fill.
1: So yes, a hang me from the heavens. This beat uh, started off with a, a hi-hat opening and closing thing, but it sort of has an extra hi-hat hit in there, so it's... I think when I was younger I might have just gone
0: it's the makes it like it's the kind of band that really just plucks an aspect of a song and then says okay that's the song yeah 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 and I, I kind of dig it it could get repetitive sometimes but I, I do dig it yes
1: ladies and gentlemen this next song is a dance it's a damn good one the name of it is It cuts like
0: a buffalo. Right from there, we go to I Cut Like a Buffalo, the third single, also the third song.
1: And you know what that means? Well, that that means you're dead.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. When we get to a Jack White music video show, we'll talk about this Cut Like a Buffalo video because it's awesome. I was going to talk about it now, but if you don't want me to, I won't. Let's save it for a music video episode. Okay, I'll just say there are two music videos for it, a blue and a gray one. I'll spare you the quotes, but I'll just say the, the reason there's two, one was supposed to be a Vault exclusive, but the main video they were going to use had knives in it, and it was too violent for some of the European audiences. Ruby Rogers, Olivia Jean, and Shelby Lynn appear in, in the video. Oh, and um, Aaron Bell is the is one of the models in that. I was gonna say my favorite memory of I cut like a buffalo, if you, if you don't mind, James, is the the night after we saw the dead weather in Manhattan. Oh yeah! At I want to say <laughs> Terminal Five. You, yeah. me, and Mike were in my. Was it the Saturn? No, we were in the Saturn. We were in the Saturn, and all the wind windows rolled down and. It was as loud as it was going to get. And we blared. I cut like a buffalo so that it echoed through Times Square. Uh, there's a video on YouTube. We could. Do you want to play a little bit of this? We didn't know anything about the band before that show. And we knew. Very little about it afterwards, but we loved it anyway. Yeah, that was one of those where the album came out and then we saw the show, like within a week or something like that, or or maybe even a few days. So yeah, we love Cut Like a Buffalo. It's the song where Jack's vocal is the most prominent on the album. About the song, Jack had said, oh, I know what it's about, he says. (laughs) It just feels like I'm being the most truthful I've ever been with myself, especially with the lyric, you cut a record on my throat. But the record's not broken. It's everything I'm about—the poetic side of me. I'm just obsessed with this song, but I'm scared to listen to it at the same time. <laughs> well, that sums it up right there, doesn't it? It sure does. Allison is trying to coax what the song is about out of him. She goes, "I wish he'd tell me. I'll find out, but I'm sure I won't be able to tell you." <laughs> When asked if she thinks she knew what it was about when they recorded it, she went, no, well, I mean, yeah, but I don't want to be wrong because it's hard to read him sometimes. He moves so quickly. Uh, he's got the quickness. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he's referencing arguments or s- referencing specific instances. I need to ask. I need to know the truth now. What that sounds like to me, and I, I mean this not in a gossipy way, it sounds, it sounds to me like it's a love song. Yeah. Like in a schoolyard pull your pigtails teasy kind of way. It could be. Allison is on guitar on this one. She's got that cool white guitar with the phone cord thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She had that at the show I was at. Right from there we move on to So Far From Your Weapon. Ah. I think this is another one of the jam songs. It's a bluesy tune. I, I really couldn't find too much about it. It's
1: good. It's,
0: it's, it's, I like it. It's kind of chanty. It's one of the slightly more forgettable ones, but it sets a mood. It's cool. Yeah. I, I like it. I don't love it. of Of the songs, it's one of the ones I, I I don't like. Remember, but the next song I do, which is "Treat Me Like Your Mother," good one, is written by all four of the band members: Moss Hart, White, Tita and Lawrence. Uh, and it's the second single that they put out. To me, it I think the... a stronger I think a stronger track than "Hang You Up from the Heavens." Although I like both. Yeah, yeah, I do, I agree. Lyrically, I like this one a little better. Which is odd because Allison had said, the one song in the album that I just couldn't write for, it was just this impenetrable wall of sound. It was so heavy that I ended up walking out of the studio. I had had to tell Jack that I was stumped and he helped me see it a couple of different ways. We worked through it as a group and came out with this amazing song. That's interesting she says that it was exhausting because, you know, sometimes I feel that way listening to Too Much Dead Weather. It gets a little exhausting because it's so relentless, you know? Yeah. I can relate. Yeah. A lot of reviews kind of said that, you know, it's so much of the same that it can get overbearing. Everybody just did kind of their own thing on this song. They did it within an hour and came up with a song that they liked. This song had the video directed by Jonathan Glazer that has Jack and Allison walking and shooting guns at each other in uh, like suburban desert kind of area. It's a, weird, it's a weird video. Yeah, I, I like it. But right from there, we go right onto Rocking Horse. I honestly, one of the more forgettable ones, I think.
1: I've done some bad things to make it easier to do. And then I'll and I it to the Lord
0: I said, don't Oh, it's got a cowboy kind of vibe to it Yeah you know, that's cool You know, we like cowboys I just keep getting it confused with Rocking Horse by the Allman Brothers Yes, I know, I was just gonna say that Dean plays bass on this song, uh, and LJ plays guitar, so they kind of switch. And uh, speaking of horses, Paul... I have a pony! (laughs) Her name is Lucifer! I'd like to welcome our third man of the week, Mr. Vin the Second (laughs) Taturo. <laughs> hey, boys.
1: Hello, <laughs> Hello boys. Are you back. Mother's Boys? <laughs> you ever seen Mother's Boys with Jamie Lee Curtis and Peter Gallagher? I can't uh, say that uh, I have. I don't know if I it. ever saw it. Isn't that funny? It's like a dream. <laughs> like I might have seen it. I might not have, but it's in there. It's in my...
0: I could assure you we're all dreaming of Mother's Boys. <laughs> Uh, everybody's got their homework. Uh, Welcome certified back, Vin. mother's boy, Vin Deturo. to be back. Here to
1: join us today. How you doing, Vin? Good. It feels like we just recorded our last show like, <laughs> moments ago. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's almost like you never yeah. left us.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're more really, more. you're really burning the fourth wall yeah. right down to the ground there, yeah. Vin. You really, you yeah. just tor- yeah. torching it up.
1: Edward, he's already under yeah. the fifth wall, Paul. Edward, yeah. Edward James, almost like I never left you. Okay.
0: <laughs> Well, Vin, we brought you here as our (laughs) grand poobah of Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. Our grand bob bob our Bob. grand Bob. Bob. Uh, vin is <laughs> our, grand, our Bob. grand Bob, the foremost Zimmerman aficionado, our Bob Dylan authority. If we get anything wrong, it is all on Vin. Yeah. He has been tasked <laughs> with the factual holding of that entire section of music. So, Vin, uh, I hope Bob. that's not too much responsibility for you, but yeah. I really believe I believe in you. Okay. Uh, I know you can do it. Yeah. Any hate mail sent to vin.greenhorndog yeah. at hate mail <laughs> dot com,
1: Yeah. All right. Well, you better brace yourself because there are going to be many, many inaccuracies in this fantastic round. Fantastic. Okay. I, I'm, um, basi- I'm just basically like a, a Dylan dilettante, you know. I, I think my <laughs> love for his music is peerless, you know. But but my my uh, my expertise on the bio- on the biography and, the, and and that kind of stuff is, is leaves something to be desired. Yeah, fantastic. Right.
0: <laughs> now, now that we're all nice and filled with confidence, yeah, okay.
1: right. But I have I have random factoids, but I don't know if there are any. I don't know if they're you know arcane enough. You know what I mean? I think I think like most people know them. You know, right? Factoids without the yeah yeah,
0: just facts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Eh. 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 Eh.
1: Yeah. Well. <laughs>
0: We brought you in here to talk about a cover by the Dead Weather of Bob Dylan's New Pony, track seven on the Whorehound album. Did you get a chance to listen to it at all? Yeah. Great. See you guys (laughs) next week. Basically I'm gonna give some background on it. The group was jamming on some songs. They they recorded the album in, in three weeks and Jack came into the studio wanting to try New Pony by Bob Dylan, trying to he wanted to put a female perspective on it since Allison Mosshart is the lead singer oh, in this okay. group. Yeah. Jack White had said, yeah, the gender change as well really makes the difference. It happened with The Stripes and Jolene as well. Something about it really shakes people up into thinking about things from a different angle. Sure. So uh, Jolene is a Dolly Parton song that The White Stripes covered, and Jack White did it from a male perspective. And Jack, by the way, no stranger to Dylan covers, he did One More Cup of Coffee on his very first album.
1: Right. Right. I, I know that one well. Yeah. 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 It's a good tune. It is really good, yeah. We should do, like, a separate show about just, like, an all-encompassing cover special about what covers surpass the originals and vice versa, ah, you know? Yes. Because there, there, there are certain instances where the cover is better, you know what I mean? Oh, For yeah,
0: that. definitely. Yeah. yeah. This is a full decade after the White Stripes' first album, so he hasn't recorded another Dylan song in about 10 years. So this is, uh, right, James? Or, I can't oh. think of any off the top of my head, but I know somebody somewhere out there is yeah. <laughs> screaming at their radio, headphones, iPod, something that we were yeah. wrong. Uh, In which case, yeah. send us an email. But anyway, we're looking at about a decade since he did his last one. Right. Dean Fertita had said uh, that they played it about two or three times and they liked the way it turned out. Going back to what you guys said about Jack, you know really liking Dylan in interviews talking about new pony, he really kind of nails that point home. He really says how much he really uh, likes Bob and really appreciates what he's done for music. He actually is quoted as saying he's had more impact than anybody who sorry, I'll do my jack accent. <laughs> he's had more impact than anybody who's ever put pen to paper in about a hundred years if you think about it. <laughs> So,
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, right. I'm convinced that like every musician, even if they're like in denial, is influenced by Dylan and even loves him. <laughs> I, I love for, Dylan. Even if even if by their own admission, they hate him.
0: Yeah. Well, for, for some musicians, it is kind of that case. Like, yeah, I know John Lennon. Obviously, he and Dylan were friends, but. He used to get really annoyed every time people would point out any time Lennon would ever do an acoustic song, they would always say, oh, you're doing your Dylan impression. And Lennon yeah. would get super pissed yeah, because yeah. he's like, I think he said this in the um, in the Jan Winter interview.
1: Well, anybody that sings with a guitar and just sings about something heavy will tend to sound like Dylan. I'm bound to be influenced by those.
0: Working Class Hero was the song. Oh, shit. Jumping on, yeah, and so I think Lennon took that a little bit personally, but it looks like Jack has no bones about, you know. Hey, it's fine. I am kind of doing a Dylan impression. Right. Well, with you Lennon,
1: know? Lennon they were contemporary, so I could see yeah. why he would get offended. You know, that's the difference. Yeah,
0: but yeah, Jack had uh, had brought. The song to the group, he had said, I always think when you've got a new project or even a new album, one idea I had was to pick a song, any song, and to see how the band attacks it. We did it on the last Rack and Tours album with Rich Kid Blues. Let's see how we play it. Maybe it'll morph into the idea or the mood of the album, or something else will appear. So with this band, we did that Dylan song. He also continues later on by saying, you know, maybe they'll find something more modern and rhythmic out of that Dylan song. Right. That's a live take, that Dylan song. I don't oh, think wow. any of us would have picked to put that on the album on paper, but it turned out to have such energy because of Allison that it had to go on the record. So this is a live take, this this whole thing. Wow. It's not separate.
1: So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it certainly doesn't sound live, man. I mean, it's just like a really good quality live recording, huh? Well, yeah. Were they playing for an audience when they did that, or...?
0: No, no, they were playing in the studio but they're not sitting in individual studios, you know, playing along to headsets. Sure. Uh, they just did this, you know, in a in a jam almost. You can hear um, it a little which is, bit cuz I mean the jam yeah. what you said about it being a jam makes perfect sense cuz they really hone in on the how much longer bit. Hammer that a really, bunch, really go cool with
1: that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How much longer will it go on? <laughs> may you ask? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's in the spirit of the group. Yeah. Dead weather is basically based off of a lightning strike of coincidences and accidents happening, you know, all this whole band came together by accident and started recording essentially by accident. Okay. All of this stuff is, um, is very spur of the moment. And I think this song being a live take and being charged like it is, is very in the spirit of, sure. of what they are trying to make. What can you tell us about, uh, the Dylan cover?
1: Um, well, well, it seems like such a random song to choose, you know. I did. It did strike me as kind of like, oh, why that one? You know what I mean? And like, I like that song. I like that album. That's like, you know, just before his uh, his Christian period, right? Yeah, Like late seventies, yeah. like right, just yeah. pre uh, pre quick God stuff.
0: A lot of reviewers had yeah. the same thought as you did, though. Yeah. A lot of you'll see in a lot of reviews from the time people going like. And he decided to choose yeah. a Dylan cover from the seventies.
1: Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> so mean, a lot I, of confused the, looks. Right. The song. I. It is a. It's a badass song. I've always liked the song. It's. It's hard. I like when he goes. When he goes a little harder. You know. Mm-hmm. My favorite song from that album is "Senor," and and I and I, I basically like the album as a whole. I think it is a strong album. Anyway, I feel like the Dylan one was some kind of an homage to uh, old.
0: Blue yeah, like Gene blues. Autry music. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then this, and then this one is even more of a of a rock and roll song, even than Dylan's, and Dylan's is, was pretty pretty rocking, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's good. I cool. That. Yeah. Um, um impression uh, Isis, it, Isis, I, Isis,
0: Isis, Isis. He did Isis. He Jack covered Isis. Oh, I just, wow. I just remembered, but he didn't do it on a record. No, he no talking about Isis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a bootleg recording yeah that's technically a cover in that decade period just anyone who was keeping score there i just i i married isis okay i married isis
1: i recently saw dylan play in forest hills queens and uh during his encore i stood up and said play isis and the, <laughs> the whole stadium froze yeah <laughs> I saw Dylan cock his head up at me and just look. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in one of the last episodes, we covered some of the things we've shouted to bands in yeah. the past and um, to, to many of the audience and performers' uh, confusion.
1: <laughs> so we've we've all been there. Yeah. Nice, good, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like a souped-up old blues song, right? Yeah, that's how it. It seems like it's a very, very kind of has a traditional sound theme, lyrics. You know. Yeah. Well, speaking of souped up.
0: Yeah. You know, you could also call a soup a, a stew. Yeah. And you know what you put inside of a stew sometimes? Oh, this is a
1: real gem, James. You're working on here. <laughs> I like this. Ham but, bone. Oh,
0: you're feeling the the oh. groove right here. There's still plenty of oh. meat on that bone. Oh, oh. oh. James, <laughs> I'd say it's
1: it's a rag-in rag-in bone. Rag-in bone.
0: Right <laughs> Finn, Rag and Bone is the uh, segment of the show where we find a weird factoid and unearth it and dust it off and shine it up and present it to you, the listener. Okay. Uh, just just something that makes us chuckle. Some, sure. some weird fact we found during our research that no one has yeah. any business knowing. Yeah. Right. We're a weird morning zoo, Finn. We're sorry. <laughs> Quite all right. So, during the making of this song, In the Jam itself... Dean Fertita's phone actually can be heard in the background (laughs) interference on the speakers because he had his cell phone a little too close to the speakers and they decided to keep it in the song because Jack White really liked it. Really? (laughs) Yeah, Jack White had said, I think there's also interference from a mobile phone at one point too. Oh, Black Gadget? a, b- a black gadget, if you will. Alison Mozart said, Dean, him and his f-ing iPhone, <laughs> uh, to which Jack White goes, that's so funny because last night I was mixing that song and I thought, no one's noticed that. When we were editing, we had a choice of editing that out. We left it in there
1: so that's great so this is he
0: he really liked interference from a phone that's how gritty and grungy and gross this album can
1: get um well that's when you know you've made it when you have the authority to just make make things (laughs) on purpose uh you know he's gone the the whole the
0: full connor Oberst.
1: like i when we were working on our our film you know a lot of the time you you chalk up laziness or ill preparation for art you know artistic poetic license, but it's and you're not you're not, you're not there yet you know you got to like no. my father was used to say Vin you got to learn the rules to break the rules that's right fine. Yeah. And, and in this gotta, case you
0: at least have to have read yeah. them at least once yeah <laughs> and in this case you have to learn the bones before you rag and bones rag oh, and that's how I oh, look oh, at all this
1: you don't I want use it that. you sure you don't want it I, mean, I can it.
0: I think that's going to do it for, for this segment today. Yeah. Vin, you want to plug anything? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you, got any, you got any new theatrical productions coming out? Just, the, just Victor Goodview. That should be released on several platforms soon, hopefully in, in uh, theaters, late viewings, probably week-long runs, okay. small theaters thronged with and- the art house goons. <laughs> <laughs> we'll provide a a link to the yeah.
0: trailer for the movie on uh, on our show notes and all that good stuff. But that's really awesome so people can look for that in the next couple months. Victor Goodview. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right, thanks so much for being on, Vin. No problem. Thanks, Vin. Thanks, Vin. Bye boys. <laughs> Bubbles. What's going on? We gotta give that a home, Paul. <laughs> and you know where we'll put it? Should we put it in the bone house, James? We'll put it in the bone house, Paul. I don't even remember what this frickin' song sounds like. Hold on. Oh, it's got a little samba beat here. Chum 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 chum. Ba 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 bah bah my samba broke the Skype. It's another song that's written by all four of them: Allison, Jack, Jack, and Dean. I'm gonna uh, go ahead and guess this was one of the Jam tunes. It's it has that feeling to it. It really, really does. It's very, very jammy. Uh, it's got some cosmic sounding guitar and some really gritty vocals. I like it. It's yeah. not my favorite, but I like it. <laughs> You no, know, paul but you know who else needs home it's bird bird house <laughs> whoa <laughs> you know how many birds go in James, that birdhouse, house paul three three birds is your is your first name jack because you sure are a reacher star of stage and screen jack reacher <laughs> jack reacher go see it in theaters uh, this one's an instrumental i do love three birds actually <laughs> i actually of really the, like this song too of the jam songs this is my favorite this is, again, all four of them collaborating, so credits to all four. It's an instrumental. One of the very few instrumentals Jack really has in his catalog. I think he has like three. Aluminum, Three Birds, ah, that's right. and there's one on one of his solo albums. Highball Stepper. Highball Stepper. Yeah. Uh, I, I love this song. I think this song is great. It's one of the ones I put on rotation when the album came out. Um, it didn't give me any hassles at all. Yeah, Paul, there's a reason it didn't give you any hassles. <laughs> <laughs> Because the next song is No Hassle Night. I'm looking for a place
1: (laughs) to go. Uh,
0: Yeah, this is a a really super slow and grinding song. It's sexual in a lot of different ways. Um, And I guess that was one of the things I walked away from thinking at the Dead Weather show. It was like being inside the Matrix Reloaded. Um, It was just a lot of sweat It was a dirtier sound and a dirtier experience than we were expecting. Yes. But some really cool bass riffs by uh, Jack Lawrence. You might might call the concert hall a bone house. (laughs) 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 It's got some really cool bass licks by um, Jack Lawrence. And it, it also features his favorite Dead weather, accoutrement, the, his like buzz pedal that he attaches to everything he does on there, which I actually really like. It does some really cool stuff for mile markers. And- which he details again on that Dodge and Burn press junket. That's right. This song, it, it makes me real thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing I got to ask. <laughs> I'm in a drought state, so don't look at me. So am I. New Jersey's in a drought right now, too. Uh will there be enough water This could be a response to the Dylan song when the ship comes in from the times they are a change in Let, Let's play a little bit of that original
1: This song will lift as the main sails shifts and the boat drifts onto the shoreline And this sun will respect the every face on the deck the hour that the ship comes in
0: so you Can kind of see it's it's got some similarity to it. I, I could see it. yeah, it, it's possible. The song was written specifically credited to uh, Jack and Dean. Jack had said that the the last song in the album, Will there be enough water?" They recorded in the first session. So this is one of the songs they recorded in the first session. Okay. All right. So it's confirmed. We have one. We have one. And he says, I think that song is the chemistry. LJ is even on drums on that song too. There's everybody taking a new on a new role. And doing something different. I think it has a mood to it that none of our other bands have. Allison had said, there was nothing written down. It was just recorded as we were making it up. It sounds like that. so But in a good way. As for it being a response to Dylan, it's kind of up in the air. Maybe Maybe it was just top of mind because they were covering New (laughs) Pony. Maybe, yeah. You know, it's possible. But I do think it's, it's really cool, especially that Jack Lawrence is on drums because, you know, you hardly ever see him. During the tour, this is where it really got hot and heavy because Jack gets up from the drums, LJ gets behind the kit, Jack walks up to the microphone that he shares with Allison, and they get so close to each other's faces during that that they're practically making out. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it on the tour episode at some point but all the newspapers and reviewers of the shows all mention it there is a definite sexual tension between Allison and Jack on stage yes. whether it's real or not maybe it's for show who knows but it's definitely an interesting performance yes and a, and a great song I, I love this one it's very it's kind of a zone out kind of tune but yeah I like that I like that about it yeah <laughs> Also also to be noted on this, Jack White plays a acoustic guitar on this, which means this song could potentially have gone on the Jack White acoustic album. If I'm not mistaken, I think I mentioned that. You probably I don't know, I don't know if you did or didn't, but I think I did. Anyway, um, yes, it should have gone on there. It would have been some, some dead, dead weather. weather, you know, something. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the the album. Just to, to, real quick, some of the uh, B sides. You just can't win, written by Van Morrison and performed by them. Them being the band, not by the Dead Weather. A child of a few hours is burning to death was a B side of a cut like a buffalo. It was a cover done by a '60s garage psych band called the West Coast Pop Art Experiment Band. Forgive us, forgive us. Uh, And I remember finding this song and then diving into that group. And it's hard to find stuff by them, but it's a great, great tune. And the original is awesome, too. If you ordered the album on iTunes pre-order, you were able to get a bonus album track called Outside. I don't have that. How do I not have that? But your heart is And then if you ordered the album through Nokia Music, you were able to get Bonehouse live from the basement and Hang You From the Heavens live from the basement. Wow. The, the album was engineered by Vance Powell. If you don't know him, he was originally a member of Whirlwind Heat, which is super interesting. Oh, yeah. And he does a lot of mixing and stuff for Third Man. Yes, he does. He's engineered so many of his albums, including Blunderbuss, Rome, Sea of Cowards, Karen Elson's The Ghost Who Walks, Another Way to Die, and The Conquest singles. He's also mixed Under Great White Northern Lights by The White Stripes and Consolers of the Lonely. The assistant engineer was Joshua V. Smith. Yeah, another another familiar face correct will there be enough water was engineered by philip j harvey it was mixed by jack white and vance powell and treat me like your mother appeared as downloadable content on rock band along with Hanging from the heavens no hassle night to coincide with the release of the album oh wow that's cool so it looks like it actually did really well it was uh billboard top 200 it peaked at number six that's pretty good yeah and it it was a uh it hit number one in the top alternative billboard albums Number two in top rock albums and number one in top tastemaker albums. So that's that's nothing to sneeze at. And in the UK, Jack's star power continues to to shine. It uh, peaked at number fourteen. Not not as high as the US, but still still a respectable debut for yeah. a new band. Yeah, if you think about the time, there there wasn't a lot of rock coming out at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. Some some interesting stuff I found. They were already recording the second album in these last sessions. So Sea Not of cool. Cowards, already underway. Jack White had said, we had just finished recording three new songs yesterday, and we've written a couple more that for the next album. Whatever that's going to be, whenever it's going to be, it's already changing. It's already going into <laughs> something else, and I don't know what's going, where it's going.
1: There's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> you singing which direction we are going
0: I think it sort of feels that way because we didn't talk about how the songs are going to sound or what kind of style the band would have. So, this is how the first album sounds. And I love that. I love the idea of wow, this is what happens when you don't talk about it. You just do it. Wow. He was adrift on the sea, the sea of cowards.
1: The danger must be going.
0: They had a full album of material that they had. <laughs> they said they even talked about it for a while. That it would be hilarious to release the second album before the first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a Jack White idea! I can't get over it. That's awesome. Well, Paul, that's going to do it for the album "Whorehound." So we're going to give it a rating. Ooh. Do you want to explain? <laughs> do you want to explain the rating system, Paul? Yes, our rating system, what we've decided to do in a hilarious fashion is uh, we've decided that we really like all the albums, we're not going to really go out of 10 because it would just be, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 kind of thing. That's right. What we decided to do was to rate each album out of three men. So, one, if we, you know, like the album, two, if we really love the album, and three is if it's one of our favorites, it's a... A, a diamond in the rough or a just a plain old blood diamond uh, so that is our rating system and some of you might find that uh, shockingly in common with Coldstone Creamery in which case please do not tweet at Coldstone Creamery to pay any attention to us whatsoever you heard Paul take him out of context tweet at Coldstone Creamery. hashtag third men <laughs> cast like it love it gotta have it yeah so yeah this this album is a weird album for me because I really I really do like the Dead Weather and this album, after learning about it, I, you know, I've, I gave it a little more credit than I had originally given it, but it's still, it's, it's still not my favorite. If I was to go with a, with a Dead Weather album, I think I'd go with either Sea of Cowards or Dodge and Burn. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a, a solid Two Men.
1: Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Put a smile on my face.
0: Ooh, Two Men, you say? Two Men. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a fair assessment, I think. James, I think you and I are pretty close on this. I think for me, Song for Song, Sea of Cowards has more to offer, and as does Dodge and Burn. But I really love this album for what it's trying to do, and I love the moodiness of it. I love songs like Will There Be Enough Water, because they're just kind of these slow, plotting things that you don't really get in a lot of Jack White efforts, so it's really unique in that way. I think uh, I would have to give this album, as well, a two men out of three. James, we are in total agreement this week. I don't, I, you know, I can't explain it. Sometimes these things just happen. That's right. Uh, I had a pony. I named him Lucifer. Paul had a pony. He, too, (laughs) named him Lucifer, and we both gave this pony two men. (laughs) Anyway, that'll do it for our rating this week. (laughs) Woo! Rating! That's Whorehound. That's (laughs) Whorehound. That's a (laughs) Whorehound. safe from charms.
1: What? What? Cut, cut.
0: That's going to do it for the third men this week. That was a doozy of an episode, Paul. (laughs) Uh, We'd like to say thank you to our third man this week, Mr. Vin Taturo. Thank you, Vin. Thank you, Vin. We'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for all your help with the theme song, We're the Third Men. Thank you, Sam and Tom, for all the help uh, recording and producing and mixing and all that stuff for our theme song. We love it. You're great. I am great. You are great. I am great. You are great. Seminars and lectures to roars of
1: fools who couldn't begin to understand my systems.
0: You can, if you want to get in contact with us, you can tweet at us at, at third cast, or you could find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash third men. Yeah, we got a great Facebook group going there. A lot of awesome interaction. Really awesome hearing from you guys. Special shout outs to people who have been super supportive of us, like uh Adrian King and Kelly Durga. You guys are you guys are fantastic. There's so many more. Uh we'll we'll give you some shout outs. Lisa Martin, Seton Ennis. Uh, Ron Lunsford, thank you uh, for listening, supporting, sharing the show. Andre Lyman. And also thank you, I want to just give a a quick shout-out here uh, to the different groups that have been helping get get the word out on the podcast. The Jack White Fan Club group, uh, thank you so much. The Thinking Persons Jack White group is great. The Jack White Hub. The Dead Weather. There's just so many groups out there that you guys are helping share the show, and it's just so helpful. Yep. If you'd like to help out, you can email us corrections or ideas, or if you just want to talk, uh, email us at thirdmenpodcast at com. If you want to see show notes and photos and things like that, uh, or want to go straight to the source, because that's where we post all the episodes originally, you can go to com. And you can also find us on Tumblr. Just search Third Men Podcast on Tumblr. Uh, we're on there and, met, again, met a lot of really cool people on the Tumblr. We got a really sweet note from... Um, their handle is Jack White is my daddy. <laughs> um, says thank you to that person and to everyone who uh, who retumbles us and reblogs us. And if you want to leave a rating and write a review for us uh, on iTunes or whatever podcast application you're using, that would be super helpful. Yeah, please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff, and and it, it does help us. And we read everyone, and they're all really awesome you guys doing them thank you you can find us on youtube and uh leave us a comment there we'd love to hear from you so yeah all, all that stuff there and uh and again i, I know we said this several times but a big hearty thank you to everyone who's listening and uh sharing the show yeah as always paul i'll be looking for a home i'll be looking for a home see you <laughs> next time see you next week bye He's upside down. Oh, hi, Charlie. Are you such a kitty cat?
1: Oh, my God, James, is curry.
0: I'm not going to lie to you, James. This is some baller-ass fish curry I'm making. I want you to walk up to her, and I want you to jostle her, and then whisper in her ear afterward. Not your wife, the dog. And then whisper in her ear her, afterward, I don't know what you're this saying. Is, this is from me. You look really weird, though. Vulcans, never bluff. Uh, Ariel bought me a Dead Weather 12-inch single. Oh, sweet. Uh, but yeah, it, it... can't listen to it till Christmas. <laughs> I didn't even realize you were here. Skype, Praise you Lord, suck. Skype, please. Uh, get your demons. Exercise them from the Skype. Turn it into a Cosby. Now it's slightly New York. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do you have to check on your curry? You good? Get... <laughs> I, I keep seeing you turn. I'm like, I'm, am starting to worry about your curse. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh,
1: wait, corn. You can't just
0: say that because we said it. I'm
1: not saying you it because you said it. You
0: fit it all the time. You
1: reminded me of corn. I forgot what it was.